Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Jump straight into something. And uh, I want you to get out if you're going to take notes on your phone or, or you can write them or you can uh, whatever you want to do. Um, if you've got a Bible, I want you to get your Bible out. I want you to get ready to take some notes. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to attempt something today. Um, I'm going to attempt to try and communicate something that I really believe is going to help you. I believe it's going to help you. I believe it can potentially, if, if you will be open to what God wants to do, this will this, will, this has the potential to transform the way in which you see everything. If you were not with us last week, last week we, we talked about um, the lenses that we look through. And we're really looking, I guess we're in a little bit of a series right now where we're sort of talking about essentially the power of perspective. That perspective isn't, isn't what you see, it's the way in which you see it. Um, and and I may need someone to turn that fan off if that's cool. Are you guys okay over there? Are you, is the fan being off going to make you want to go home straight away? Are you going to survive? Um, and and so perspective is so important in our lives. I've, I've been sharing each week at, at, at the beginning of each sermon how I've got such a burden on my heart right now um, to to take the Word of God and, and try to preach the Word of God in a way that actually helps to strengthen the people of God. Because I want you to be strong in who you are in God. In order for you to do what God has called you to do, in order for us as the church, there is an urgency right now in all of the craziness that is going on around us. There is an urgency for the church to actually step into its rightful place and to take on the mandate that has been given by us from heaven to the people of God. But we're not going to do it if we're weak. We're not going to do it if we're shaky. We're not going to do it if we're unsure about who God is and who we are. And we talked about that last week. The two lenses that we talked about that we look through that we'll remember will disarm any battle or any lie the enemy brings is a correct revelation of who you are and who your God is. That the enemy will come to you and he will always bring a lie. And whenever the enemy brings a lie, he doesn't just tell you a lie, he sells you a lie. And every, anything that's sold to you costs you something. So what do the lies of the enemy cost you? They cost you the truth. So the same way, if you believe it, you'll receive it. Some of you believed a lie and you received a lie and that became the lens to which you view everything through. You can very quickly erase that lens by applying the truth of God's Word to your life and starting afresh. So you can now see yourself the way God sees you. You can see God for the truth of who He is, that God is good, that God is faithful. And I want to continue with this, this concept of perspective. And I want to begin to share something with you that I think is so powerful and so um, important for our lives as a fundamental element to our walk with God and how to be everything that God has called us to be. First verse, I'm going to share a couple of verses. We're going to end, we're going to land in a story. And if you've got a Bible, you can flick there so you're ready, but it'll come up on screens if you don't. It's in 2 Kings chapter 6. 
And it's the story of a man named Elisha. And I want you to sort of put a little bit of a pen mark or, or hold your finger in, in that verse or get that verse ready on your phone because we're going to refer to that in a minute. But in order for me to actually unwrap what's happening in this story, I want to begin first by unfolding for you a concept within the kingdom of God that is so important for you to understand in order for you to catch what I believe God wants to reveal to us today. Because what God wants to reveal to us today is not gonna be something necessarily, while I'm gonna try and teach as best I can, it's not gonna be taught, it's gonna be caught. It's not gonna be taught, I'm gonna try and teach it in the natural, but it's gonna be caught in the Spirit. And so what I want you to understand firstly is something that Paul referred to in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. And Paul made this statement that is so incredibly powerful that will actually help you, listen to me, in every single area of your life. Every area of your life. I don't know. I don't care how practical it may seem. I don't care how, 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 how elementary it may seem. I don't care how great or how powerful or how spiritual it may seem. Every single area of your life, the Word of God can help you in. And I think it's found in this verse. Paul said this in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. He says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Say completely. Say it like you're not wearing a mask. Say completely. Most of you are not. Where's your mask? You're supposed to be wearing masks. How many of you want to be sanctified completely? It means set free, wash clean, complete. I don't know about you, but not many of you raise your hands. I'm raising my hand. I don't want God to set me free just a little bit. I don't just want my Sunday version of me to be free and my Monday version to be a screw up. I don't want like just a little bit of part. I don't want these elements of my life doing okay and this over here is just a freaking mess. I don't want to be like that. I want to receive the sanctification that comes through Jesus Christ. Say it with me, completely. You mean to say, Ben, God cares? God cares about every area of my life? that whom the Son sets free can be free indeed. He wants to sanctify you completely. So how is He going to do it? That may your whole, your entire spirit, soul and body. Say those three words with me out loud. Say my spirit, my soul and my body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This concept that you have to understand in order for me to, to preach to you this message in 2 Kings has to be understood from the perspective and the revelation that you recognise that you are made up of three parts. That you were created in the image of God, that God is triune, therefore we also are triune, we are three parts. We are body, soul and spirit. It's important for you to understand each part, that each part actually plays a role in the purpose that God has for you. That you can very quickly get your life out of balance if you just think God is all about the spirit, but doesn't care about the soul and body. 
that you can actually get out of balance very quick and you can start to lean on this religious, out of whack concept of who God is, that God only wants certain things in the Spirit, but everything else could be all out of order. No, God is a God of order and God of structure. And if we would follow what God is telling us in Scripture, we can actually live our life whole. And so what I want you to understand when it comes to the to the body and when it comes to the soul and when it comes to the spirit, that every single battle that you are facing, every single issue that you are dealing with in your life will fall within one of these three categories. And this is really important for you to understand because what happens is the reason we can get we can get so quickly out of order when we think that a particular problem that we're dealing with in our flesh level or in our body level has to be dealt with on a spiritual level. And so what, what happens is when we face different problems, things can come our way, things that, that we begin to deal with. Where's my problems? I need problem number one. Come up here, problem one. Let me get rid of this. All right, this is problem one. You good? Okay, this is problem one. Nothing personal. Problem one. Problem one represents the things that I'm dealing in in, in just, this is the the day-to-day challenges that we face in everyday life. In everyday life, people will come up to me at times and they'll say, Ben, I need you to pray for my bills. Need to pray for my finances. I want to say this to you. Yes, we can pray for the Bible says this is where prayer and the word is so important because prayer and the word will cross across all categories of your life and be applied to every category of your life. So yes, we can pray for it. But you have to understand more often than not that the the minor financial challenges that people have in their life are, are practical problem one scenarios that are on a body, practical, just life level, okay? So how do you deal with these types of challenges? You know what you do? Come here, problem one. So when these types of challenges come your way, this is problem one, they're not huge, they're not enormous, but they can get us down, can't they? Come on, you've got a couple of bills that you need to be paid. There are, there are practical things, very practical. This is, I want to teach you real quickly to set us up for something. There are practical issues, practical problems that more often than not have practical solutions. So issues with finances and people say, can you come and pray? Yes, I'll pray. But how is your spending going? Okay, now I know we don't want to talk about it because it doesn't seem spiritual, but it's actually very spiritual. If you don't work, the Bible says you don't eat. You would be amazed at the money that would show up in your bank account if you worked five days a week. It would be very powerful. And so there are practical things that are found in the Word of God that will actually help you deal with practical problems. And there are things within the Bible. This is why the Bible is so powerful when it's applied to our life. It's practical. So let's say I'm going to recognise that the Word of God talks about being disciplined. Discipline in my spending. So I'm going to practise. I'm looking face to face at this problem. All I can see, Ben, I need help my finances. I need help my finances. All right, I'll help you. 
Get disciplined in your spending. That's all it is. Just don't spend money you don't need, right? We've all heard it, to impress people that you don't know, okay? So, so don't just get disciplined in your, in your, in your finances. Then, then there's other problems. There's other problems. I've got a two and a three-year-old that, listen, Listen, you, you, you can have problems. People come up and be like, man, we need, we need to pray. We need to believe. My kids are driving me nuts. Well, welcome to life. Welcome to being on lockdown. Remember the early versions of lockdown? Early days of lockdown with a two and three-year-old? I remember Cresta and I being in the car and I remember us talking about when we realised this pandemic was not going to be like one or two weeks. And we said to, I said to Cresta, you know, we need to actually get a plan. We need to get a plan. Otherwise, this thing is going to overtake us. Otherwise, we're going to start to bicker. Do you know how many calls we had to the church for marriage counselling during the lockdown? And, and people are like, my marriage is falling apart. The enemy's attacking my marriage. No, it's just a pandemic. And so what there were, there were practical things that you can implement that you will find in the Word of God. Like, you know what? I'm going to actually just operate in a level of respect for one another. Recognising each other's space that you need at times. Talking, giving, giving each other some grace. I know, it's not, I know it's not preachy, but just stay with me. We're going somewhere. Give each other some grace. We're going to have a plan and a structure for our kids. I remember we're freaking out. My son was just, he, he's just, he goes zero to 100, this kid. He'll run around, run around the house, run around the house. And I remember my, my Caressa came up with this idea with his toys. He was running around. There were toys everywhere, just crazy. He was manic. And so she got buckets and she got him organising toys in particular, buckets and different toys. went, to, And it was the structure that helped him to settle. And so as you begin to implement some things like discipline, like a plan, like some structure in your life, look what happens. It gives me a perspective of my problem that down here, what felt like, oh, my dear Lord, it's overwhelming me. How are we going to make it? I don't know if we're going to get through this. It's the worst thing in the world. No, no, no. Steady your spirit and begin to implement what God's Word is telling you to do. Is powerful. Pray about everything. Be anxious for nothing. And what you do is as you begin to practice it, you move to a different perspective and you see things as they really are. And you realise, you know what? This is not unbearable. Is beatable. But how many know we know that not every everything we face is just a natural problem? Stay here, problem one. Get, get right over here. There's sometimes we're going to face things that hit us on a different level, don't they? Problem two, come up, problem two. And these are things that, that come into our life. And now we're not talking about just the body. Now we're not just talking about the spirit. See, this one, this the, problem one, Felt like it was rough. Problem two, this represents things that are coming into our life. Look at this. It's somewhat bigger. This, this, listen. This here is not, he's, it's not super small. I mean, he's not like, he's, you know, he's a regular size dude. It's a regular size issue. But compared to, compared to issues that hit our soul, your soul is your mind, your will and your emotions. 
And if I don't take care of things in problem one, they'll eventually flow over into problem two. And now what I could have dealt with on a very practical level and could have dealt with if I applied the practicalities of God's Word to my life, I would have stopped it there and would have got a perspective on it there, but I allowed it to carry over. Now it's affecting my mind, my will and my emotions. Okay, And so problem two comes. Problem two is a little bit bigger. Problem two is the things in our life that start to infiltrate our thinking. This is, this is where we start to get beat. This is where we get hung up. Often as Christians, it's not so much we recognise, okay, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We have these issues that are down here that are base level, just regular everyday life issues. But then we feel like we get caught up. More often than not, you get caught up on the soul level. Is, is where it's the battle in, in your mind, in your will and your emotions. This is where negative thinking starts to come in. This is where we, we start to get negative about everything we see. This is where we start to see situations as hopeless. This is where we begin to open the door to depression and anxiety and, and overwhelming. This is where it starts to infiltrate not just our body. Now this has hit my soul. Now this has hit my soul. Again, you have to understand both things, the prayer and Word of God will actually help you. So as you apply, you move past the body stage, you move past the flesh stage, you start to apply the practicalities of God's Word to your everyday life. But then problem number two comes along. Problem number two doesn't just hit your body, it starts to hit your soul. This is where you have to understand, again, it's the same principle. When we take the principles of God's Word and we apply it to our life, but this is where psychology comes into it and the world will adapt biblical principles as their own where really God came up with this stuff years ago. And the world will talk about the power of positive thinking like it's a new idea. When the Bible talked about it, so as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's not new concept. It's just past package with a new theology surrounding psychology rather than God's Word. This is where you get stuck in humanism. Where you start to think, I can do it on my own if I focus enough. And you know what? You'll do good. You'll do, listen, you apply positive thinking. You apply, again, practical things when it comes to things that are attacking your soul. You can, you can get on top of it and you start to apply it to your life. They say in 80% of cases, psychologists say in over 80% of cases of depression, there was a radical, a, a radical breakthrough for each individual in over 80% of cases that made a decision that they were going to start to physically exercise. Over 80%, just, just through physical act. So there's things that you can do that will help you overcome soul issues. And as you apply them, see what happens. It's a perspective that you get on what you've been going through, that down here, it was beating you. Down here, it was overcoming you. Down here, you couldn't see past it. But as you began to apply different things, positive thinking, making sure that you're gonna implement particular habits in your life that help you overcome the second level of where the enemy will try to attack you and that's with issues of the soul. And this right here is a very important part that we need to understand because this, 
This is where I think the Western church actually can get stuck. Where people come to church and they have a soul experience, but walk away unchanged. Because the reality is, and this is what I want to get to, this is where I want to begin to preach for the next few minutes. The reality is that the Word of God tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So enter problem number three. That I'm not denying, come here, Jimmy. Problem number one was we, we had some issues here. We, had some, we were working through some stuff, but we applied some practical things in our life and we got a better perspective. And then we had some other issues going on that were hitting us on a deeper level. Now, these, these felt rough in the moment, but this was a little bigger than this. But then you have to understand, you have to recognise that you are body, soul, and you are spirit. So then you're going to come across issues and, and problems in your life that I can do, listen. I can, listen, you can can exercise all the discipline you want. And you can, you, can, you can go through all of the steps that would normally overcome issues of the flesh and of the body and normally would overcome issues of the soul. But let me tell you something. Some of you are coming up against things in your life that this and this strategy is not gonna work. How do you know when you're facing battles that are not of the body, not of the soul, but they're of the spirit? Because you try beating them using body and soul strategy and you don't get a breakthrough. That's when you know that you are in a spiritual battle. And a spiritual battle will only be overcome with spiritual power. And I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to over-spiritualise everything because we do that too much in church. And we take these things over here and we try and say, well, it's the devil. No, it's not. Don't give the devil more credit than he needs. Some of you, it's just lack of discipline. But there are those things that you come up against that body and soul is not going to overcome. Go sit down, boy. So this is where I want us to land. And I'm setting this up and I know it's, it's, it's teachy and I, and I know it's, it's, it's slow, but, I, but it's really important that we get this. So I am body, I am soul, but I also am spirit. When you get saved and you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, this man is born. This man is born. And when he is born, when this spirit side of you is born, that spirit side of you has got to, the same as a newborn baby, has got to be fed in order to grow. And if you want to grow in the spirit, you've got to feed your spirit. Because as you feed your spirit, when a newborn baby is born, its vision is not clear. What makes a newborn baby's vision become clear is they grow up. 
And I think there is an urgent need for the church in the Western culture to grow up in the Spirit and begin to see things on a level that is above and beyond what you're dealing with down here. And in 2 Kings, there's this story. And I want to read just a part of it real quick. Let's look at this real quickly. Are you still with me? Second Kings, oh, chapter six, and verse six. This is Elijah, Elisha, I'm sorry. And Elisha had a servant that was with him. This servant was walking with him everywhere. Elisha, you have to understand within scripture that Elisha was the man. Remember, Elisha walked with Elijah. Elisha was somebody that saw miracles. Elisha was somebody, this is what gets me in this story, we have to understand as we look at it. He saw miracles everywhere he went. In fact, this story that we're about to read about is the 13th miracle, supernatural miracle that Elisha saw. And it says this, Elisha 6 and verse 15, and I'm gonna read it. Are you with me? And when the servant of the man of God arose early and he went out, there was an army surrounding the city. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what are we going to do? His servant went outside and he saw that they were facing challenges that were on a level that could not be beat. The master went out and he saw the state of Perhaps for you, it's the state of the marriage or the state of the situation you're facing with the kids or the state of stuff going on in your business or the state of a physical ailment that you're facing right now. Maybe for us as a nation, it's the state of our nation. And he came out and saw it and he saw, he recognised, he was looking at it from a perspective that was here. And he came out and he said, how are we going to do this? He says that there was an army surrounding them. And he's freaking out. And he's in fear and he goes to Elisha and he says, bro, what are we going to do? How are we going to get out of this? And I want you to watch what Elisha prays. So he answered and he said, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So Elisha doesn't, he doesn't say, ah, this battle's not so bad. No, he recognises this is bad. But Elisha saw something that his servant did not see because his servant was looking everything from a level that was limited. And I want you to watch what Elisha prayed. Think about this. Elisha was a man of miracles. He could have prayed. If, if I was Elisha, I would have prayed this. God, smoke them all. That would have been a great prayer, wouldn't it? Don't you just want God to just fix it? Be honest with me. Look at me. Don't you? The issues that you're facing, I do. I'm down here facing the crap that I'm facing and I want God to fix it. 
I want to see it. Listen to me. In the natural, I want to see it change. Don't you? That's what, don't get all spiritual with me and say, well, I trust. No, you don't. You don't trust God. If you did, you wouldn't be over, so overcome by what you don't see in the natural. I know about you, but for me, I want to see this stinking thing change. This was where the servant was. He says, what are we going to do? These jokers are going to kill us. And Elisha could have prayed, God, kill them all. That's Elisha. Elisha, he raised the Shunammite son who had died. He laid on top of him. This joker came back to life. Elisha, he multiplied the oil with the woman's oil. Remember Elisha, he made the axe head float in the river. He could have done it, but he did not pray that. You know what he prayed? And Elisha prayed, verse 17, and he said, Lord, I pray that his eyes, I pray, open the eyes that he may see. You mean you're not going to pray to change the situation? No. I'm going to pray that you get a different perspective. Because watch what happens. The servant was down here. But Elisha, who was a man of the Spirit, the same way you're a man of the Spirit, you may not feel like it, but remember the Word of God says, your body, soul, spirit. You're a woman of the Spirit. And, and the difference between the servant and the prophet was not that the prophet, the prophet was absent from the problem. He was still facing the same problem. The problem was there. He just had an elevated perspective. And he prayed for his servant. Elisha's up here chilling. He's like, you're worried about that. You don't see what I can see. And Elisha said, Lord, I pray for this poor joker down here. Help him to get a perspective. Because do you know what? These problems that are all down here, they're always, there's always gonna be problems. That's life. But if you know what it is to look through the eyes of the Spirit, you put your problem in an eternal, eternal heavenly perspective. So it's the prayer, open the eyes of my Spirit. That's, that was what I prayed for us today. Not that, listen, I didn't pray. I know this is going to break your heart and make you not want to come back next week. I didn't pray that your problems would go away. I didn't. I prayed that your eyes would be open. That if your eyes, if your eyes of your spirit would be open, you would see your problem differently. There's a, a, an incredible story in Matthew. I think they've got the verse. I, I can't get it in my mind exactly where it was. 
But there is a man, a blind man who comes to Jesus. We're going to continue, we'll continue with some of this next week to, to go somewhere with it. But there's a man who comes to Jesus and he's blind. You might remember the story. And Jesus prays for him. He prays for him once. He lay hands on him. And he prays, Lord, open his eyes. And he opens his eyes and, and, and Jesus says to him, okay, what do you see? And the man says, I see people like trees. Remember the story? And so... Jesus prays for him a second time and then he gets his sight. Now, I don't know about you, how you've read that story before, but I've read that story many times before and I actually have always thought that the first time Jesus missed it. I know it sounds silly, but but that's sort of how it reads, doesn't it? Pray for a blind man to see and he says, what do you see? I see men like trees. And you're like, well, men don't look like trees. So let's give it another go. And I've always read that story and be like, well, you know, maybe Jesus did it as an example for us that, you know, even Jesus, it takes two times to get it right. You know, something like that. But then I saw something this week because the whole idea that Jesus needed to do it twice to get it right didn't fit with my theology of who I know my God is. So it made me dig a little more. And I began, as I began to think about, he saw men like trees. He saw men like trees. He saw men like trees, white trees. What do trees symbolise in Scripture? And I began to think about different verses that I'd seen in Scripture where Scripture actually talked about men being like trees. And if you look all through Scripture, you'll see, in fact, Jesus talks about Himself. Remember, I'm the vine, that you are the branches. That, that if a man, based on where a man, a man plants himself, and it talks about, in fact, David said that I'd be like a tree, like an olive tree. He also says, talks about him being as strong as a palm tree. Then I saw something, that it wasn't that Jesus messed up the first time. The second time Jesus prayed for him, the man opened his physical eyes. But the first time Jesus prayed for him, He opened the eyes of His Spirit. That He was, when He first prayed for him, He didn't screw it up. The man actually began to see things in the Spirit. And the man, began, and that was the first thing Jesus did in order for man to be made whole. Jesus said, I've got to get you operating in the Spirit first because if I can get you operating in the Spirit first, you can walk free in the Spirit that will manifest things down into the natural. I've got to get you to see in the Spirit first. How are we gonna overcome what we're facing? This is not a natural battle. It's a spiritual battle. Lord, open the eyes of my spirit so that I can see what you're facing, where that practical application is not cutting it. And, And you're trying the best you can with all your own might and you're still not cutting it. How do you know when you're fighting things of the spirit when strategy one and strategy two doesn't get you there? 
So now I would ask, what are you facing? And I wanna pray over us this morning as a, as a community. And I know this is a different message. I know it's a teachy message. But this will help you. Because you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That if you could see through the eyes of the Spirit, you would get an eternal heavenly perspective. And as we apply things, how do I open my eyes to my Spirit? Obviously, things like prayer, things of the Word, things like fasting, things like, listen, surrender. You surrender your life completely to Jesus. You will activate something of the Spirit that you were never able to activate before. Many people cannot see in the Spirit because they're hanging on. So it's the prayer, God, open the eyes of my Spirit so that I can see because what happened in the story, and we don't have time, we can get into it next week. But what happened in the story was the eyes of the Spirit that were open revealed the strategy of the Spirit. That's what many of you need. You need a strategy. And you can get busy running around in circles, trying everything. You need a strategy. And God will give you a strategy, but it's going to be found in the Spirit. I want to pray for us before we go today. And I want to pray that this week, as you in your small groups begin to unwrap this a little bit more as we get into it more next week, that God would begin to reveal things to us in the Spirit. It's not a weird, airy, fairy, you know, freak show type of gig. I'm talking about people that are grounded, people that are normal, but people who who know what it is to see things in the Spirit. Because this, when you can understand this, this will take your prayer life to another level. I'm, ta- I'm just saying something. This right here, because too many of us, our prayer life, we are, we are operating our prayer life in reaction to what's going on around us. Our prayer life is based upon the problems we face. And I'm praying against this, praying against that, praying against that. But if you can get a perspective of the Spirit, you can pray from a level that will stop things even coming to you in the first place. Isaiah talked about being a watchman. That listen to me, listen. You you can start to operate in a level of the Spirit where you unlock a level of discernment that you begin to walk in, that you see the enemy coming a mile off. That this is, listen, this will, this will move you forward because too many of us are living reactionary to what is going on. The enemy attacks. Well, I better fight this one now. And the enemy attacks and I better fight this one now. But you can start to move forward and strategize in the Spirit through prayer and begin to shut down those attacks before they even get to you. This is how you grow in God. I'm going to finish, but I want to read this one last thing just because it's good. Paul, Paul was, was, was one in Scripture. I love Paul because he had such a great perspective on everything. Paul in prison, 
He writes this, and I'm going to close. Paul in prison, chapter 4 and verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Hang on, Paul, you're in prison, bro. Wake up. How was he rejoicing in the Lord greatly? He was in prison, but he had a heavenly perspective. So, so I rejoice in the Lord greatly. That at last you'll care for me as far as you gain. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Then verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need. Hang on, Paul, you're in prison. You don't need anything. How about a key to get out, bro? He says, no, I'm good. I don't need nothing. I know I'm in prison, but I don't have a perspective that is in prison. I have a perspective that is in heaven. So you put me in prison, you put me in a palace, you put me down the right, it doesn't matter to me because I've, my perspective is one from prison. Not that I speak in regard to Neve, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Whatever state, see how powerful the eyes of the Spirit are. He said, whatever goes on around me, Paul says, I'm good. Kill me, beat me, starve me, shipwreck me. I'm good. You will be untouchable when you position yourself here. I know how to abase and I know how to abound. I know what it's like to have the best of things. I know what it's like to have the worst of things. None of it means nothing to me because it's all down here. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned to be both full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then verse 13, we love to quote it, but you have to understand the verse that precedes it to really recognise the power in it. And then Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Lord, I pray. Close your eyes right now. I want to pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see from a perspective that is eternal, from a perspective that is heavenly. Help us to open the eyes of our spirit. God, the same way with Paul, that when Paul was blinded, you said, remove the scales. God, I pray that the scales would be removed. That where in the natural we see hopelessness, God, you would reveal, that you would reveal hope. Where things, Lord God, seem like there is no breakthrough on the horizon. God, that you would elevate our perspective to a place that is eternal, that is heavenly, that would help us to see what is really going on in the Spirit. Lord God, that you are for us, that you have things covered. And I'll pray it now. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed. 